Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to read to you one verse of Scripture. And then we're going to talk about relations make things real. Relations make things real. But before I ask you to stand, let me take just a moment to welcome those that watch on the internet. We pray that God will just be as real to you there as we feel his presence here. Those that listen by radio and those that watch locally on television. Sunday mornings are a special time. A time when many set aside a few minutes to just get together and in the relationship with the church worship the Lord. We want those of you that are here for the first time to know that you've brought a blessing to this assembly today. Just your presence. I've met several in the other service that were here for the first time today. And they blessed us just by coming. And you're blessing us just by being here. We want to bless you, not only in the service, but as soon as this service is over, we're going to have an opportunity to... Uh, meet you personally if you will just come by for a moment our hospitality room which is go out to the lobby turn to the left right across the hallway from the library there is the hospitality room and we have packaged for you a bunch of blessings and we want you to take them and wherever you go just be blessed whether you go across town or across the street or across the world we want you to have the opportunity to use these things to God's glory and blessing in your life and in the life of others. And we also would love to invite you to join us for our Wednesday night service and be our guests for the dinner. Uh, so stop by and let my wife Beth and myself say hello to you and greet you in the name of the Lord. Relations make things real. There's a big difference in having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and in having a head knowledge of who he is. And if you miss that, you miss everything. So I want you to listen very attentively as we give ourselves an opportunity to think with the mind of Christ as related in his word and see what he has to say about what he wants from us. Why did God send his son to this world? Man had broken off a relationship with God. Man had gone into sin and had turned from the things of God. And after the days of Noah and other biblical stories in the Old Testament, the day came when the only way to get back where God and man could accomplish what God had planned in the beginning, and that is to have an intimate personal relationship. God sent his son Jesus. Came to this earth, then went back and left for us the Holy Spirit to live in each one of our lives so that we could have common relationship through the Holy Spirit, through the Son, 
and through the Father. Now, I'm going to read to you one verse of Scripture. The book of Philippians is a fabulous little book in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul, who was very religious in his early days, but became one of great relationships to the Lord in his latter days, and uh, actually when he was a young man and then through all the days of his life, and he had a way of making things clearer than, uh, clearer than anyone that I can think of in the Bible. That's the reason I think the Lord had him be the one through which he spoke so many of the books of the Bible. So would you stand and let me read to you from Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. For those of you that are guests, the reason we stand is out of respect to the Word of God. We would want you first-timers to know our church believes the Bible to be the inspired and errant infallible Word of God. If God speaks through the Scriptures, we take it extremely serious, knowing that it's just a blessing God wants us to know and to experience, and so we respect the Scriptures. Listen to the 10th verse of Philippians chapter 3. Paul is speaking, that I may know him, that's the Lord Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Now before you sit down, I want you to notice those first words, that I may know him, not know about him, but that I may know him. Think with me on that as you're seated. The relations is what makes things real. If you're married, you know that marriage is more than a ceremony. Marriage is not making things legal. Marriage is a relationship. Where a man and a woman come together and the two become one flesh, according to Scripture, and they have then a relationship as one. Each of the two becoming one. Not either one, but both bringing strengths and weaknesses together. And then that marriage under God, those that become one, began to experience God, not only as two individuals, but in the bonds of holy matrimony. And marriage is intended to be an ongoing relationship between the two until God separates them by death. Now, Christianity is to be a relationship. Christianity is not knowing the teachings of Jesus alone. What Christianity is, is it is Christianity. First of all, a Christian is a little Christ. Christian people are a people that have a relationship with God through the Son, Jesus. That relationship takes preeminence over anything and everybody. God is first in the Christian's life is the way it is intended. But too many Christians have said, I do to Jesus, like you say I do in a marriage ceremony. They say I do to Jesus and then go back and they just cling to knowledge about Jesus but don't know him personally. Be like a bride or a groom that would take and say I do and become one and then start 
kissing letters and photographs that they wrote to each other. That's not what marriage is. The two become one flesh. And there is to be a relationship there. That relationship under God is the closest thing to heaven that man can possibly experience, that people can possibly experience in this earth. And the book of Romans makes that comparison. But so many of us that claim to be Christians believe that being a Christian is believing certain things. I believe in God. I believe in the Bible. I believe that Jesus is God's son. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe that Jesus is coming back again. And on and on. The list could go forever. That's not what a Christian is. A Christian is a person that's been born again. They have been born again, and old things have passed away. All things have become new, and no longer do they walk alone. They'll never walk alone because they're in a relationship, and I'll show you what I mean in just a moment. Because that's what God intended. In the book of Revelations, there's a scripture usually taken out of context when it is quoted, but it's in the third chapter of Revelations and verse 20. Here is the scripture. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. I will sup with him and he with me. Now here's what that scripture says. God stands at the heart's door of individuals that he wants to build a relationship with. He said, I stand and I knock. If you will open the door, if you will open the door and allow me to come into your life as your Savior and Lord, if you will do that, I will build a relationship with you. That relationship is an eternal relationship. That relationship will allow you to experience me like none others can unless they know me as you know me and are in the family as you are in the family. <clears throat> as we move through our day-to-day -day living, for many their faith is summed up in the storing, sorting out, and retrieving information out of God's Word. In other words, information about God. They love to study about God. They love to know more about what God said. But in studying about God to get knowledge of God, it is not to build a relationship with God, but rather to get information and knowledge. And oftentimes that information and knowledge is turned on somebody else. And you say, well, look at them. They say they're a Christian. Look how they're living. Here's what it says in such and such a book and such and such a chapter. <clears throat> if the great physician would come and examine us, he had probably diagnosed us with a spiritual disease. It would be called orthodoxitis. He would come and he'd say, you are found through the test to be suffering from orthodoxitis, but I don't know you. This your first time to be in my office? Yeah. Well, I've been running some tests, and you got orthodoxitis, but I don't think we know each other, and I'm the great physician. We have become known as a people, I'm talking about Christians, who've learned the truth but don't give any evidence of it in their life. And no question, no question about it. The number one reason that most people in this country are not Christians is because people that say they're Christians that don't know God in an intimate relationship have been around them. 
And they can take the, the Bible, and they like this. It's a two-edged sword, so I'm going to stick it right through you. But I'm not going to let it change my life. I am not going to be crucified with Christ so that I can live in a crucified relationship. I'm just going to look around, and I'm going to see what's in it for me, and where does the Bible support me, and where does it support this person that I'm having problems with. And we kind of work through it and say, well, I just can't help it. I'm just going to go on and do whatever I'm going to do. Let me remind all of us of the two great commandments in the Bible. Seems like we always get back to this. Matthew 22, verse 37. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now what do he say? What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. Have a relationship with him. How? With all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. There's a relationship so strong, <clears throat> I know that, this, that the one that is strong, that all power is given to him in heaven and earth. The power I have is given to me by him. That power is given to me as I show that I will walk more and more in obedience to his word and his commands. And I understand that. But what makes our our journey so wonderful is we have a relationship not a marriage license not a certificate of baptism we have a relationship and my generation has examined and analyzed and categorized the truths of God into doctrines and denominations thinking that it's the key to knowing him there are some groups of denominations that are so strong they believe if you're not a member of their denomination, you can no wise see the kingdom of God. How sad. We first must know him, then we can learn his ways. You see, if you, do not, if, if you know the author of the book, it's easier to understand the book. Why do people say, I just read the Bible all the time, I don't understand. You know why? Because you don't know the author. Well, I don't understand why God said such and such right there. I just don't think it'll hurt you if you do it. You know why? Because you don't know the author. The author has said, my ways are higher than your ways. He said, I want to tell you right out front. He said, I want to tell you that's in your weakness that I'm going to be made strong. I'm going to tell you that he would say to us, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, you don't understand that because you've never come up against anybody. You've always finished at the top of your class. And you've never forgot it, and if anybody knows you, you haven't let them forget it either. As to where you have come in the test process. And the Bible says in those days, people are going to come and they're going to say, I scored this on the test, I did this, I did this, I did that. And you know what he said? I Depart from me, for I never knew you. You didn't know me. You knew what I said. You knew what I wrote. You knew through, through the, those that I chose to be the scribes, but you don't know me. Because if you knew me, you would have trusted me when you came to make a decision when I told you this is what you do. And you rationalized and said, but I'm a peculiar person. The only thing that's peculiar about your situation was you don't know him. He said, I'm going to do it to where the best things will come to you and no good thing will I withhold from you. You know what? A lot of people think 
God is like. You remember when Michael Jackson, that picture of him holding his child over that balcony out and made the world news? People thought, what, Michael, you know, what are you doing with that little infant? You know, people think, well, God does the same thing. He just kind of holds us out there over a cliff, you know, and, and we just better be real still. And don't, you know, don't, don't shake because he might drop me. And that's the way we think of God. But we don't understand that the Scripture says that God wants his children to have an intimacy with him and companionship with him. Some of you have been taught all of your life that you cannot get to God without going through some kind of holy man. Call him pastor, rabbi, priest, pope, call him whatever you want to call him. But if I'm going to get to God, I've got to go to this one or that one or this one or that one. And the Lord says, come unto me, all you that are very heavy laden, I will give you rest. Nothing can keep you from the love of God. Read it. It's all there. He wants you to know him intimately. He doesn't want me to have to get up here and tell you what God is like. I am to be, give us our mission statement. Let's let our guests hear our mission statement, Sagemont family. It's not a very long one, is. We're to be what? Living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Now, what did that say? We're to be living proof that there's a God that loves us unconditionally. And if you'll just look, you'll see that we're not worthy of the blessings that we have. But we have a relationship with God. And that relationship binds us together with Him and with one another. We're family, so to speak. Your mind <clears throat> can be filled with information about God and your life not be filled with the presence of God. There's a lot of telltale ways to know that your life is filled when God is present. I guess one of the words we would use is the word guilt. You ever find yourself having said something and you said, just as soon as you say, I should have said that. Well, why shouldn't you have said that? Well, I just know I should. Well, why do you know you should? Well, why is it bothering you such? Because the one that's in you says, you shouldn't, that's not what you should have done. You find yourself in a place and you say, I just shouldn't be here. I just don't belong here. Now, why don't you belong here? Are you better than those people? No. Well, then why don't you think you belong here? I don't know what it is, but I just don't feel like I belong here. Could I tell you why? Because Jesus always walks in the light. When you get in the darkness, it's pretty obvious that there's a problem. He wants his children to walk in the light because he's the light of the world. Now, how does all that come? Well, because of page such and such in my old family Bible that I got from my great-great-uncle that, you know, all that kind of, no, no, no. No, the thing that brings guilt to us is his presence. His presence. Not only did I do it, as David said it, Father, not only have I sinned, but I did so in your sight. That's what he said. Well, let me ask you some hard questions. <clears throat> Why are so many Christians serving Jesus as faithfully as they know how? I mean, they're doing all the stuff. But there's no rest for their souls. They're never at peace. They worry more as much or more than everybody else. Why is that? If they know so much about God, they should know that he lives in their life. And he said, I will protect you and provide for you and walk with you. Let me ask you another question. How can we be so committed to the faith and yet feel so 
alone at times. When he says, I will never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. He says, now you're going to go through the valley, but I'm going to go through with you. Yes, when your mate dies, it's going to be tough, but I'm going to go with you. Now, why do you want to isolate yourself? Are you isolating yourself in order to spend intimate time with me or to just to, to re-strengthen or recharge the, the, yourself with my presence? Why are you doing that? Let me ask you a third question. How can one totally give themselves to God, to others in the church, and still feel so empty and dry inside? How can you give what you give, do what you do, spend the hours you spend, and you feel so washed out, dried up? We have our doctrine, but we seem to have little experience. Could I give you a comparison? It's like going to college and finishing with a four-point average. Taking the toughest stuff there is and four points. And then you get out and try to get a job. And that person interviewing asks you a real profound question that never dawned on you. Have you had any experience? Excuse me? No, I got a four-point average. Yeah, I know. But see, in our company, we require that you have experience. No, no, see, I was getting my four-point average. I didn't work while I was in college. Matter of fact, I didn't work when I was in high school. Uh, matter of fact, I don't think I worked in junior high. And I sure know I didn't work when I was a kid. You know, sir, you bring up an amazing point, ma'am. Uh, that point is, I've never worked a day in my life. But I sure am smart. They'll say to you, well, when we need somebody that's smart that won't do anything... We will be glad to call on you. <laughs> but right now, we're looking for somebody, and you're sitting with people right now, and don't go to another church. They'll be in that church, and don't go to some sporting event because they'll be there. They're some of the most successful people that you sit with that, by the way the world judges success, don't have four-point averages, but rarely will you find one that didn't start to work when they were maybe 12, 13, 14, back in the old paper route, throwing the Houston Press or the Houston Post or the Houston Chronicle or mowing yards or doing that. And that's the people that you wonder, how in the world are they successful? I paid my dues. I did my college. I did all this. It's a relationship to what's called work. So... There are other questions that pop up. What good are our doctrines if they don't work in our life? What good is the point of knowing stuff that brings no life to you? No joy, no peace, no assurance, no provision, no good relationships. Could I give you an example? Let me come home. Today, there will be 1,000 people at least that will come to church, but they will not stay for any of our small groups. And there's literally limitless ones here. They won't stay. Not today, not next week, not the week before. They're not going to stay. They just come into the big group, get a little knowledge, hope they can get something to get them through till next Sunday, you know, brill cream religion, a little dab do you kind of a thing, and away they go. 
where you have an opportunity to build some of the greatest relationships on the planet with people that are together loving their, their spouses, loving their children, raising their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, trying to look out to, for the hungry and the poor and the dying and the sick and all of these kind of folks and trying to get the gospel to the uttermost part of the world, but you say, I don't have enough time to do that. Not this Sunday, not next Sunday, not ever. But I'm a Christian. I can quote John 3, 16. You know? And I believe in God, but there's no relationship. Let me tell you something, folks. To be a part of a Bible-believing church that practices loving one another as Christ loves us, that's better than any government program that ever came by to meet your every need. And I'm here to tell you, to my knowledge, there is not one active member of this church with 18,000 members that if this church knows that they're hurting, we are there if they're faithful in being a part of this family. We even try to help as many as we can to just come in and say, you know, my name's Jimmy, what you going to give me? That's all right, we'll help you too. But I tell you what, those that are faithful are number one. See, a lot of religious groups, they'll help anybody they don't know, they don't help anybody they do know. Because if you help somebody, if you help somebody that's just passing through town, give them a tank of gas and get them out of here. Really? You know, churches have programs like that. Here, here's you, here you some diapers, a quart of milk, and 10 gallons of gas. Head to Austin. But this church helps its own, folks. Trust me, it helps its own. When you get to heaven, you're going to be shocked. You say, I had no earthly idea. That's what it was. I thought they were just a bunch of do-gooders up there trying to see who was the best. No, no, no. No, when one hurts, we all hurt. And when one rejoices, we all rejoice. You ask the two families that had quads in this church who took care of their babies. And they didn't have to go down to the county to find somebody to help us take care of their four children. Or what they did was they saw dozens and dozens and dozens of people sit around the clock for two years to take care and no charges for their services. Why? Because it's a relationship. We all felt blessed. That's what Christianity is, folks. It is not a bunch of rules. It's not a bunch of doctrine. Yes, doctrine is what way we understand how we are to live, but relationships is what makes it worthwhile. For all of our knowledge, so many are not changed. Now, why? Why? How can a person know the Scripture like they know it and never win a person to Jesus Christ? Never. Never. Matter of fact, some would point to them and say, you're the very reason. You're always wanting to beat me on the head with that Bible, and you get a bigger one every year. And everybody that knows you cannot stand you because you don't carry your end of the load at work. You're not the kind of neighbor that anybody wants to be a neighbor of. I've been hunting with you on, on the, at a deer camp, and you always just fight to get to the best place to hunt. I mean, that's just who you are. I know you. What's the problem? relationship how many mothers are there you get the last you know the chicken goes around my grandmother god help her I, I know that she ate anything but a wing or a back in my whole lifetime i didn't know what it ever why because she had always because relationship you know why why are the grandkids so special it just keeps getting sweeter and sweeter don't it love your kids and love your grandkids and some of you have great grandkids some of you have some great great grandkids and you have pictures. We'll give you a chance to show them in just a few minutes out in the parking lot. 
Here's what I'm trying to say, folks. We're going to have to go. Knowledge isn't going to change you. Relationships is what will change you. When you see a little child, do you hear what Tony said when he came out there a while ago to baptize this precious little one, little seven-year-old? She's going to probably call me Mr. Tony. Now, where in the world did he get Mr. Tony out of that? Well, Tony works with our children. Our children are taught to respect those in authority, including their parents, whether they deserve it or not. And they're, and, they're, and they're taught to say Mr. and yes, and yes, ma'am, and please, and this kind of thing. Now, that's what he was saying. Now, to some, he just kind of goes right by and said, okay, why don't I call you Mr. Tony? Don't they know your last name is Robinson? You know? No, no. It was a very intimate moment there between a teacher and, and the little one. That's what that was. And that's a part of why does that little one come to know the Lord himself? I just don't believe you can have a relationship with Jesus when you're seven years. Oh, yes, you can. Because I had mine when I was seven. And I never doubted it one minute until this moment I'm standing before you. Relationship. Relationship. You ask me how I know he lives? Well, I took a certain, certain course. It's certain. No, no. He lives within my heart. I've walked through valleys. You have. I have. And as I've walked through those valleys, he's never, ever allowed me to walk through one alone. Not once. Not once. Knowledge alone won't change us. But God will. Jesus Christ is a person. He's not the sum total of my doctrine. He is the author of my doctrine. For Christianity to work in our lives, it's got to be an ongoing personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Database Christianity just will not work. John 7, 37, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Isaiah said this, Matthew confirmed it. Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Are you an informational Christian or are you a relational Christian? If I were going to talk, you say I'm a Christian, I'd say prove it. Well, let me tell you all I know. Well, show me the lives, the relationships you have. Show me how you see the hungry. Show me how you deal with family. Show me how you deal with those that, that are around you at work. That's who we really are. And I'm not saying that intellectual understanding of God is unnecessary, but I am telling you it's inadequate. Not enough there. There's not enough there. It's more than just knowing about him, it's knowing him. And if we reduce our faith to a matter of thinking, and verbalizing and rationalizing, we're in serious trouble. All the education in the world cannot save you, but Jesus saves by grace through faith. There's more to it than learning Bible truths. The New Testament is filled with descriptions of our Christian faith in terms of relationships. There are many more of these, but very quickly, God is our Father. Listen to this. God is our Father, Matthew 6, 9. Jesus is our elder brother, Romans 8, 29. 1 John 3, 1 says we're God's children. Ephesians 2, 19 says we're in God's family. James 2, 15 says we're brothers and sisters. Relational, 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 relational. John 1, 12 said, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. When a person gets saved, he does not get into new understanding of God. He gets into a new relationship with God. Much better. Much better. 
Your understanding will leave you way down here because his ways are higher than our ways. But a relation, sometimes, just like in your family, the one that is weakest gets the most love. My wife and I were with our children this week. And they have a little dog. It's 16, 17. I don't know. They say it's 112 or something if he was a person. That poor little dog. I mean, if he can just get two feet up and of the four, that's standing for him. Can't bark. Has all the other problems. I was with that dog for a week. He got more attention than all the five of us put together. You know what I mean? You've been there, right? Now, why? Because there was a relationship that had been built, and he needed more help than anybody. See, you think that God's going to love you more when you get your Ph.D. degree, and I'm not against Ph.D. degrees. But you know what? It's in your weakness that he's made strong, and he's looking for people who just want to fall in love with him. That's what he's looking for. Now, you can do that today. You can fall in love with him. You can trust him as your Lord and your Savior. John 17, 3. And this is life eternal. Now, listen to what is, what is life eternal. That thou mightest know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's what you're looking for. That's what you're looking for. I didn't become a Christian, become, become a student of, re, of religion, even the Christian religion. I became a Christian to have a relationship with God. And the younger you come to know that, the relationship, much better the journey will be when you realize that nothing have you experienced since the day you were born again did you experience alone. Sometimes you were sensitive and you knew exactly what God wanted you to do, and you did it. Other times you weren't, or you just, for, for whatever reason, said, well, I understand God, but I'm still going to do it this way. And that's another story. But rather than tell people how to think, we need to show people how to live. Walk in the victory, folks. Live every day as if it were your last day. Beth and I passed two wrecks this week, riding together. One just happened. As we went by, she said, oh, honey, the lady is dead. She's hanging out of the car out on Highway 10. Two hours later, we were on Highway 85. Traffic was backed up for a mile. Looked up, could hear the helicopter coming. In a minute, there was another and another. Some folks from Mexico were coming across the border, car filled with people. Hit an 18-wheeler. Helicopters were coming from Del Rio, Laredo, San Antonio, Carrizo Springs coming in. I mean, just like that. One second, everything changes. Some in eternity, just like that. You never know, do you, what another day is going to bring. So as we go out of here today, I want you to keep in mind that Jesus is the answer to life. Matthew 28, 20, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Jesus is personal, and Jesus is present. We cannot fix all of our circumstances. We need Jesus. And John 16, says, These things have I spoken to you that, you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Peace is a result 
of one thing, intimacy with Jesus. Do you have it today? The psalmist leaves us with these final words. The 42nd Psalm, verse 1 and 2. As the heart panteth after the water's brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When then, or when shall I come and appear before God? It's time to replace our rituals with a relationship. As the deer pants for the water, do you pant for the Lord right now? Bow your head and close your eyes. As we close, you're going to be given another opportunity to build a relationship. We have a beautiful lobby that we call the Connection Center. It's just off the main lobby, coming back this way, back behind where the divine servant is, where Jesus is washing Peter's feet. In that room, there's some people that would love, just love, to help you settle this thing before you go home today. When we sing this last verse, the back doors are going to open for those of you that would like to join those that you'll see going into that room to talk with you and to pray with you and to give you some things to take home, not to force you, not to pressure you, not to talk you into anything. They're not trying to sell you something. They're trying to clarify for you, and then the choice is certainly up to you and the Holy Spirit. But if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, and you don't know him personally, and you've all your life been around religious stuff. Try to do good. Try to know Bible. Try to go to church. Try to do whatever. If you want some help, it's absolutely free. You didn't see any offering plates passed in this service. And you won't see any back there. It's a time of just continuing the relationship that we want to have with you through Jesus Christ. We just want to be the messenger to give you the message and give you a choice. So you at least understand you have a clear choice. And it doesn't matter who you are. God wants to bless you today. If you need the blessing of salvation, maybe you need church membership. You say, I've already been saved, baptized. I just need, a, I need to expand my relationship. I need some people to surround me that love each other and to love me. You've, you're at the right place, folks. You are at the right place. Trust me on that. So let's stand. Those of you that are helping the Connection Center, you slip out quickly as these that might want to join, you can go now. Brother Bill will lead us, and just one verse, and you sing, if you remain now with me, you sing, you go, if you need to go, to the Connection Center. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.